Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. All right. So uh, welcome to the latest episode of Lunch with Tech Leaders. My name is Jason Brown. I'm a cloud solutions architect with Bright Bright Networks, and I'm your host for today. Joining me is software and data consultant, Tom Kowalski. Hello. And we also have business technology consultant, Joe Coleman. Hi, everybody. And uh, just a reminder, if any of the listeners have any questions whatsoever, please throw them right here in the uh, Lunch with Tech Leaders um little chat box there i'll make sure that we uh get to them and address them in the discussion so thank you jason and that's on discord for those of you who are listening if you want yes live we're on discord thank you Tom. sorry about that <laughs> yes absolutely thank you both and yeah also joining us today is our subject matter expert preston frazier a senior software engineer from the interoperability institute welcome back preston hey everyone happy to be back all right. So in this episode, we're going to discuss uh, serverless observability, uh, logging, and monitoring. Uh, so there's a lot to cover in this one. So let's jump right in. Um, and just to clarify, uh, observability, um, what I mean by that is the window by which um, one can gain uh, insight and understanding of um, what's going on in uh, your system, your, what's going on in your environment. So how your system is functioning, um, how performant it is, um, just being able to, to gain an insight into, into what's going on there. Um, and I feel so, like, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just, yeah, how do you differentiate between like logging, monitoring? Is it kind of like the overarching putting them together or would you say it's a little different? Right, yeah. I mean, so, so I think that logging and uh, monitoring are two key components in uh, achieving observability um, for uh, serverless architecture, right? Uh, and, and along with that, also, I would I would throw in distributed tracing. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to um, to to really get into that. Um, but sort of just to kind of cover this uh, um, in broad terms, like logging and monitoring and distributed tracing, I see is they they have different roles, right? So like logging would involve capturing and storing um, relevant events, errors, any other information generated by your serverless functions, um, whereas uh, monitoring would focus more on collecting real-time metrics uh, about like the health, uh, performance, and, and resource utilization of, of the actual um, functions themselves, right? So um, you, it kind of has a, a different role uh, in, in logging uh, versus monitoring. Um, and, and then with tracing as well, um, it, it can really provide detailed insight into uh, the flow and then the the execution of requests across the different components, right? So you can see and, and map out how all of the different serverless components are working together, right? Um, so just kind of like as a high view, that's what that's what I would consider as like the role of each one and observing or uh, achieving observability. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I would like to to hear your thoughts as well, uh, both Tom and Preston, on on how um, you know the they they can work together to to achieve observability, specifically in um, a serverless uh, environment. I feel like we've we've talked a lot at length in, in previous episodes about um, logging and monitoring. Um, so I'd like to focus more specifically on how it's different for serverless versus you know more traditional architectures, but um, but yeah, so I guess with that, um, like, just to start off, like, what Tom, what main challenges would you consider in in achieving observability in serverless architect architectures compared to like more traditional ones? Yeah, I, th I think the biggest thing, right, is yeah, put an agent on there, um, so you're kind of at the the mercy of what AWS uh, allows you to do. Or right, or I'm just saying AWS in, in particular, but any. Um, serverless platform out there, uh, what they allow you to monitor, uh, and what tools are available, right? And what support the the serverless monitoring. Um, again, yeah, things that are a lot better than they used to be when, when Lambda first came out. It was pretty challenging, but things have have come a long way. So, um, yeah, but I'm excited to, to to talk about it more in depth. Each one. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, with that, I think working with any cloud provider, you're really going to get a suite of tools that are set up to work together in one way or another. Um, so kind of maybe separate from a traditional server environment where you're installing all the tools yourself and you have to, I mean, you're going to pick the tools that work together as well when you're installing it in your system. But when you're working with the cloud provider, they're going to provide the, the logging, the you know observability, or I should say, the monitoring and the tracing tools that are that are gonna work together, um, you know. In my mind, you know, like we were talking about, we have the logging, which is how you're storing the data. That's really the meat and potatoes of uh, the data you're getting out of your system and storing somewhere. Monitoring is some way where you you're using those that data to create metrics or create alerts or using a visualization tool. And then the tracing is going to be, uh, in my mind, you're really digging down to troubleshoot some kind of issue or troubleshoot, maybe not even troubleshoot, just analyze um, that flow of the data through your application. Um, and so cloud provider is certainly going to have that integration between those three pieces um, available to you and, and easy to connect through all those stages. Yeah, I'd say another difference um, in, you know, traditional observability in the sense with serverless is there's uh, the infrastructure, if you will, and application logging, monitoring, observability is a lot more uh, tightly coupled, I'd say, put together, right? Like all one pane of glass that you're seeing versus more traditional uh, there's a legacy where the infrastructure logs and, and metrics are kind of separated from the application. Um, something that, yeah, I see as, as a good thing, but it's different than traditional monitoring observability. It's a... Right, yeah. I mean, you, you both hit on some really good points um, when when uh, analyzing sort of the differences between, you know, what, what observability looks like uh, from a serverless architecture versus traditional, you know, some of the limitations like there are, uh, on the one hand, with the vendor specific monitoring and tooling, you have 
um, a lot that that is automatically um, integrated with the platform of your choice, but um, you tend to be more typically locked in uh, than um, uh, you know rather than having the full suite of, of tools at your disposal. Um, there's some that are, are more naturally integrated integratable, <laughs> I guess you could say. Uh, also, like you, you definitely touched on the um, the, the limited uh, control over. Um, well, I shouldn't say say control, but I guess uh, server access, right? So, like, you know, people who are more um, used to being able to just you know SSH into their server and kind of poke around at the OS level, that's not necessarily um, uh, achievable through um, uh, a serverless architecture. I mean, it, it, it like you said, Tom, it, it has come a long way, but um, it's it's definitely is. Uh, there's a bit of a mindset uh, a mind a mindset shift. Um, when when uh, looking at the um, observability through the lens of, of uh, serverless, um, so let's talk a little bit about. Um, I actually kind of want to get into tracing uh, quite a lot more. Um, so, uh, Preston, can you can you go into like um, tracing uh, in a little bit more detail, like not just at a high level, but uh, perhaps some of your personal experiences using um, the tools. Uh, um, uh, potentially in AWS. I mean, I can speak to X-Ray, for example, but that's something that you know I'm more familiar with than um, some of the tools available to like Azure, for instance. But well, certainly that's what I was going to bring up is uh, AWS X-Ray. That's uh, I think AWS's preferred tracing mechanism. Um, and you know, like I said, I think this is really about you you're really interested in the performance of an application or you know there's a problem somewhere and you need to figure out what's going on. Um, if you have an application or your application's instrumented, meaning you have them wired up to report uh, this tracing information to the service, let's say Amazon X-Ray, um, function calls, um, you know, API calls, these um, are reported to your tracing service and you get this metadata about what happens at each step. So let's say you have your application with your functions instrumented um, to, to log. Um, and so you can, you know, filter through this, these traces that show how long the function took or how long the API request took. Um, maybe you added some metadata about the response from the API request. Um, and so even with that data, you can aggregate that and average that out um, to give you interesting metrics about the average, you know, length of time something's taken. Um, it gets, makes it really helpful to pinpoint like, okay, this specific API request is taking a really long time overall that's really the biggest issue in our system. You know, maybe we're writing to disk or something and we find that, oh yeah, that write to disk is really what's taking all of our time. That's why this API is responding so slow or, or an example like that. Um, so tracing in my mind really helps you target uh, and find the root cause of potential issues or where to find more performance improvements. Yeah, I, I just like to say it, it has gotten a lot better, right? But, you know, going back to when I said you're kind of at the, uh, the the mercy of what the provider 
um, you know, platform allows you to do with tracing, right? When you had a lot more control, you could add that metadata, you know, add those tracing IDs to, to every single call going through your services. Whereas X-Ray is a lot better, but, you know, when it first came out, there was only so many services that were supporting it, right? So you could, you would have gaps in, in what was other AWS services were, were being called. Uh, but yes, it has gotten a lot better and yeah, it is, it is a lot nicer using X-Ray. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, one of the things I love about it is that um, because, uh, as you say, it's been continuously improved over time. I mean, any time that you have a, uh, well, I should say it works with most other services, but when you, you have your Lambda function, for example, that needs to reach out to Dynamo uh, or to RDS to make queries, um, you can actually trace some of that in X-Ray to be able to see like, okay, well, what's what's my, my latency like with, with my database or my data stores, right? Is there something that I need to improve there? You know, it has a lot of uh, uh, implications, not only with, you know, where, where something might be getting stopped up, but also performance, like you were mentioning too, Preston. Um, and I, I do really like that there's additional support for requests. Like, for example, if you're using Python, uh, you can use the requests uh, module or library to make outgoing web requests from your Lambda function. Uh, and that is actually supported and you can see how long each um, API request takes and you know if there was an issue. Um, but that said, again, uh, yeah, there's only some uh, that are uh, supported and, and there, there are some limitations surrounding that, right? So, um, and I would like to dig into that a little bit more too. Um, so when it, in your experience, Preston, when you were um, interacting with and using X-Ray, like what kinds of limitations would you run into? Like what, what were some things that we would consider challenges um, for achieving observability with, with distributed tracing? Sure. Um, I mean, it's kind of like what you said. Uh, some, let's say, lot, and we're talking, I'm talking about, you know, application side of something. So I know Tom was talking about other AWS services that specifically have reporting to like X-Ray. Um, uh, in the scope of like building your own application and say you're including dependency libraries, uh, Jason mentioned like an HTTP client um, requests like in Python. Um, you know, some of these libraries have integration with the uh, X-Ray tool that uh, and when I say X-ray tool, I mean the X-ray library that reports to X-ray. Um, some of those have integration built right in, and it's very coupled coupled nicely. Um, other libraries that you use that make requests to um, maybe a database, maybe some other third-party service aren't going to have that kind of X-ray integration. Um, so you're only going to get so much level of of tracing to a certain point. Um, but you know, usually if you encapsulate that that call to a service, say database or something, inside of a function that you instrument with X-Ray, um, you know, you'll still get the metrics and and if something in the case of something having a lot of latency, you'll figure out that it's it's this service that's the problem and you can troubleshoot that specific service more. Um, you know, that's the biggest issue with X-Ray. You know, I will. I have a few issues with, I think, the specific AWS console uh, yeah. UI display for for tracing. Um, just in my experience, it's not the most user friendly console they have. They could improve that 
Um, and, you know, I've only been using it for maybe three or four years, that console. Um, so, like Tom said, it probably has improved, but I think they have a little ways to go in terms of usability um, in, term, in querying those traces. I agree. It has come a long way, but yeah, it's still kind of rough. Right. Yeah, I do know that um, just recently they did move some of that into um, CloudWatch proper. So if you do go through the AWS console, um, you can actually uh, view the the traces, um, the X-ray traces in the map um, uh, in CloudWatch. I think that that's definitely improved somewhat. <laughs> but yeah, th there's some some that's lacking. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you too, Tom. Like, have you? seen any specific challenges or um uh issues uh with using distributed tracing tools like not necessarily x-ray but maybe potentially others as well uh yes yeah, so we would use other monitoring tools um one that i was very familiar with was um new relic and it would kind of like you know in inject its own ids and kind of like other tools would do it kind of inject its own tracing ids so that you know when it feeds back to um feeds back to the collectors right it can kind of wire it up together and it was kind of nice um but yeah that that's i haven't played around with that in a long time um i've been kind of out of the game the, the serverless app development game for at least six eight months now but now i'm i'm back in so i'm excited to see you know what has changed with uh with aws and diving deeper into it right i've just skimmed the surface so far these past few weeks so yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it, it's definitely, it changes a lot. There's, there's a lot that's, that's been, um, uh, changing throughout, um, the years and even months. So, um, but yeah, I mean, with, um, distributed tra uh, tracing with, with x-ray specifically, um, I know that that I've been able to use it just to provide some of my own experience, um, to pro provide, uh, that, that window of insight into what's going on with the system. Like when, when you have the event that's triggered, a uh, segment is created, and that um, uh, gives you a through line, so to speak. So you can see like where a message is going from one component to the next. And um, having that map, just to give you a visual representation of, okay, well, here's my, here are my components. As long as you have everything instrumented correctly and set up right, um, it, it can be almost like a, an architecture diagram, like instantly gives you that, yeah. you know, which is a very powerful thing. Um, but uh, yeah, just some of the limitations that I've run into as well is uh, specifically with Lambda. I know that Lambda does some, uh, um, it, it initiates uh, a segment for you. I think like the actual Lambda um, execution will, will start a segment. Um, but that can sometimes be at odds if you're you're starting segments and subsegments yourself within the the lambda, and so that might that, that can sometimes disrupt the trace. Um, mm. So like it'll look like there there's a gap, right? Or or just like you know there'll be two disconnected graphs. So that's something to to keep in mind is is be uh, very um, careful with the way that uh, <laughs> the the components are being. Um, instrumented right yeah that, and i'll go ahead tom i was just saying that is nice uh being able to give you that architecture diagram like i said i just jumped into uh to taking over um a few applications 
and not documented that well. Um, but yeah, just being able to see that tracing, they did have that implemented and yeah, being able to see that the architecture, uh, you know, the flow of the information, all of that has been very helpful uh, and helped me get up to speed on it. Yeah. I've never heard of an application not being documented well. <laughs> um, I, I agree. And, um, one of the things you can, you can do with say x-ray is, um, not only visualize that, that service map, that those traces, but you can also sense x-rays integrated into CloudWatch, which is AWS's logging essentially service. Um, you can create alarms at, which are alerts off of traces. So say you have, you know, X number of requests that are above this amount of latency, you can create alarms and alerts off of that tracing. Um, so because those services are provided, they integrate together and really give you that um, ability to, to not only see the traces and data, but also take action on those. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I want to dig into a little bit more too, is like how you can correlate the data with um, like between the, the distributed tracing data, um, have that work with logging and monitoring together. Um, yeah. I mean, Tom, do you have um, uh, any other experience like previous experience with like, uh, like integrating that into monitoring? I mean, you, you mentioned uh, new relic, which um, I, I hadn't realized that they provide um, tracing, but um like, do the are you able to integrate that with um, the the monitoring uh, portion of uh, what New Relic provides? Like, uh, yeah, they they really upped their game in that. In the they add enabled logging and uh, the tracing a few years back, and and really kind of incorporated it all together, and it was really nice. And that's what I kind of miss, like being now like just in AWS, uh, being able to see that kind of cohesively together they try but it's it's just not quite there right um it was really nice and you were like like here's the air right okay easily jump here the the logs tracing everything around that um kind of going back and forth whereas with aws it's still a, a lot of you know got to jump over here and redo the query now because it's you know it didn't come over right or the date didn't come over the time window and all of that but it's getting better but yeah it was not as not as good as it was with new relic Okay. Um, so, uh, so kind of like a, a bit of a tangent, but, um, something I wanted to ask you uh, about, uh, as well, Preston is about, um, security and compliance. Like how could we use something like distributing or distributed tracing to, to help with, um, uh, to improve security and better compliance practices for our serverless architecture? Sure. Um, I have a couple of thoughts about a couple other services or that I that kind of fall into this uh, with AWS, but um, we with X-ray, you know, you can you can add metadata and other tracing services too. Um, adding in metadata that you want, so you can add in you know user IDs, um, the client IDs, that kind of thing, enriching your traces. So, like you said, you know, with uh, say tracking. A, a record identifier or something across multiple services, you could do something similar with, you know, user IDs where you can, you know, track those and you can find out who's accessing data. Um, 
you know, that's that's one way to, to use those traces. Um, that's probably one of to track user access. You know, that might be one of the best ways to do it. Um, I was thinking more of some other services though, like AWS CloudTrail, which I think is enabled by default in an AWS account. Um, which gives you logs of all the user actions that take place as well as service actions. Um, and that creates a log for, you know, you can report on for compliance reports or security analysis. Um, that's something across your entire account, uh, like cloud account, uh, that you can get used to see that kind of user access. Um, and so for overall account, uh, CloudTrail is something that is very useful for that. Um, I think for application side logging, you still might need other logs that are creating that kind of data. You can make those reports, those compliance reports, security can review. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say CloudTrail is good for reporting on what applications are doing. That's more for reporting on the actions that happen inside of your AWS account. Um, and maybe we'll touch on it here in a second, but for doing those application level logs, you know, you have several options uh, besides just using CloudWatch, which is kind of your standard logging tool. Um, you have things like Amazon TimeStream, which is a um, schemaless database that integrates with um, several services um, is very fast uh, to store data um, from applications and and view it. Uh, another tool called AWS Athena, which um, is another query-like tool, although it's not its own database, uh, Athena uses AWS Glue and AWS S3. Uh, the data lives in AWS S3, um, and Athena uses glue, which is basically a schema definition that says, here's how the columns in the, the files in S3 should be laid out, or here's the format in S3 that I'm expecting. Um, and so kind of using glue, Athena uh, can query logs that are written to files in S3. Um, so the time stream database and Athena with S3 are very useful for doing application level logging on top of Zodwatch. Right, absolutely. And to kind of touch... I know that kind of went off topic on your compliance and security analysis, but um, those are just very uh, tools we use uh, in my company to um, write those logs that can be used by either graphing tools, uh, dashboards, um, or like our security team to, to analyze what applications are doing and build reports. Right, yeah. That's definitely on topic too, because, you know, that, that goes... That's a core part of observability, right? Yeah, using those tools to be able to provide that window. And like you said, with um, TimeStream acting as a, um, a repository for your, um, uh, like your, your, your data that's keyed off of timestamps to provide an insight of what's happening, you know, across time in your environments is, is really good. I mean, you know, using that with something like Grafana, right, is, is something that can provide a lot of, really um good visualizations to be able to see what's going on in your environment um 
Yeah. And to kind of touch on what you said before, too, with the security stuff, I mean, having that integrated with your monitoring so that you can um, ingest that data and then trigger alerts based off of whether or not you're detecting security incidents um, using that data is something that could be extremely useful. And, you know, you're, you're being more um, quick to react when something does happen. Um, yeah, and sort of another use case, uh, I guess I'll, I'll uh, throw the, the question over to you, Tom. Uh, like, I, I was curious as to your thoughts of how you use data like that for um, cost optimization uh, and, and how to, to, to um, potentially reduce the cost of an environment that's uh, sort of running uh, up the bill, uh, so to speak. Um, I mean, that, that's you need the um, observability, right, to see what you're paying. So it's, it's, you can't, you kind of have to have it. Um, and the better observability that you have across all those services and, and what they're costing, um, this, the better, right? Especially distributed tracing to see what is being, um, called by your application. Uh, I think, yeah, it's very helpful. Um, I, I don't think about it too much because it just kind of goes hand in hand, right? That is, you know, where you, where you look at where your costs are being, um, where your costs are coming from. I think that's good because, you know, I think logs are always something that you're like, oh yeah, the application's logging, but those logs are living somewhere. They're taking up space. They're they're costing money being stored somewhere. So um, certainly log generation is uh, on top of being able to view the cost of your services, those logs cost money too um, in terms of, you know, storing them, how much, how long you want to store them for. Those are, you know, issues with traditional uh, logging too, like log rotation, retention. Um, but I think with a, a cloud platform, um, you're going to get the same kind of tools to be able to manage those uh, attributes of the logs. Um, but obviously, um, traditional platforms aren't going to kind of sum up, here's all the costs for you. Um, like something like AWS, they have a cost explorer where you can see oh, here's what these services are costing me right now. And you can visualize the trends um, right there, which is very helpful um, and and useful for, uh, for seeing. I know from some previous example or uh, from some previous history, you know, sometimes we might've seen a large cost and we're like, where's all this money coming from? And we see, you know, CloudWatch has a huge expense and it's like, oh, there's some application that's just writing tons of unnecessary logs and it's just racking up costs. Uh, reading from them, especially using third-party tools. Uh, that's what we've experienced a lot. So yeah, when you talk about cost optimization, um, you know, for the application, it's if you're going serverless, you you know, there's really not that much you can optimize outside of traditional um, infrastructure. The cost optimization, uh, like Russ was saying, really comes down to optimizing for your logging, right? That's where I've seen it the most and in, in your monitoring and, and keep an eye on that because with this serverless infrastructure, it usually costs about the same, if not more, um, mm -hmm. to do logging and, you know, this observability. So that's, you know, more importantly than your application costs is, is you know, monitoring uh, your monitoring costs. I think it's because a lot of times they enable logging tools and services by default, and you might not realize that they're turned on. Um, and they have so many services that, yeah, you 
start occurring costs that you didn't expect. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's definitely an important thing to, to keep in mind. And yeah, I also just kind of throw in too that I like using um, X-ray uh, or just dis distributed tracing in general to see like, you know, what, uh, what resources, you know, I'm actually using, like what, you know, for, for something that's pay as you go or pay for what you use, you know, that gives you a pretty accurate insight into, okay, well, this is what I'm using. You know, again, provided with the caveat that you have things instrumented correctly. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah, um, I, I like to put workloads, right? Each, each environment and workload in its own AWS account. That's mm -hmm. the best, you know, thing that I've seen for, for monitoring costs, right? And be able to associate it. Yes, this is just production of this workload or this application, or this is development, right? Of this application. Um, but yeah, it is beneficial, but I recommend, you know, separating out your, your workloads and environments into, uh, into separate AWS accounts. That's makes it a lot easier for permissions and then costs and, and being able to observe costs. All right. Um, so yeah, I think we are coming up on time here, but I wanted to save a little bit of time for um, final thoughts. Um, so yeah, uh, Tom, did you have any final thoughts uh, on serverless observability? Uh, just final, final thoughts. I'm excited to, to get back into it again. And uh, yeah, this is got me thinking about it more. Um, but yeah, I'd be excited to do another talk right in the future and, and what I've, I've learned in my, my new journey coming up here, getting back into the serverless app dev. All right. Excellent. Uh, and Preston, how about you? Final thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know like we touched on, there's uh, many services to use to do logging um, and the services can target different aspects of that logging. As we lightly touched on, I don't think we really got into a lot of the, or at least several of the services um, that, that I was thinking of um, really heavily, um, but uh, there's a lot of power in um, the, the cloud platforms for, for viewing the logs. Um, I've been really getting into uh, Grafana a lot, which is a, a third-party product that integrates into AWS um, that allows you to like like other dashboard tools allows you to visualize the data that you log into several of these um, logging frameworks. Um, it just provides so much um, value and visibility into your systems, especially when you build systems that really aren't, you know, UI centric. Don't have user interfaces. You have a lot of um, APIs or just backend systems. Um, it it really it, it really opens up like. Obviously, it really tells you in a visual way what's what's happening, and I think that goes a long way, especially with non, you know, people that aren't so technical on your teams and companies um, to to see that information. So, uh, you know, there's a lot I've learned along the way too in terms of costs uh, and alert uh, querying, um, a lot of aspects. I think we can touch on. We probably could have another talk on this as well. Yeah, this is definitely such a big topic that it, it may deserve uh, uh, part two uh, in the future fairly soon. <laughs> so, um, okay, well, yeah, um, I guess with that, we can probably wrap up. Uh, I would like to, to thank all the listeners for tuning in uh, to, to today's episode. Um, and uh, I'd like to thank you both again, uh, Tom uh, and Preston, and thank you, Joe, as well. Um, 
But yeah, hopefully all of our listeners found the conversation informative uh, and valuable. And uh, we'd love to have you join us again for the next episode. Uh, and our topic for next time is object-oriented programming versus functional programming. Uh, and always, the episode will feature expert guests and interactive conversations, so be sure to tune in. Uh, thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone.